Hello and welcome to the Plebeian Power Hour with your hosts Tiffer and Kim. Today we're going to be talking about prediction markets. Prediction markets. And I have warned Tiffer that he's going to be very disappointed with me because I have been researching prediction markets for weeks now. And I still don't understand why anybody uses them. <laughs> and I wonder that, too. And so first, what I think we need to do is explain what a prediction market Let's do it. is. Tell the peoples what a political... <laughs> what a prediction And that is exactly is. how my brain focuses on <laughs> prediction markets. So what a prediction market is, is it's... Uh, they call it a market. You could consider it maybe like gambling like or a stock, a stock market, market mm-hmm. or anything like that. But instead of you, you gam, you know, you, you're predicting an outcome in the future. So right. So examples the, might be like political races or and that's the economic or one you know any number of things. People put any number of things out on some of these sites. You know, yes. Like one of the questions. I'm just going to scroll down to some of the questions that I thought maybe we might answer ourselves, but like here's one. Um, Will there be a trillionaire by the end of 2028? Oh, wow. And so they're asking people to try and predict, do you think there will be? So there are different prediction markets. There's some that use real money, and there's only a very few that use real money. And then there are others that use fake money. And there are, I mostly researched the Iowa electronic markets. Okay. Did you do predict That it? was one of the early ones. Mm-hmm. So just to give some context, this was an idea like there's some blogs and stuff that I read. And mm-hmm. so I had read some in the last couple of years where people are talking about this and talking about it like it's this huge, crazy new thing. And then you go look into it and find out that the idea has been around for Since a long time. Since 1988. For Iowa. Yeah, in 1988, there was an Iowa one. uh, I can't remember what they called it, but I think it was at the University of Iowa. And what they did was they just said, all right, you know, we want you to try and predict who's going to win these political elections. And they use real money. And they use real money because they have some sort of carve out, a no action letter from the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, or else this would not be allowable. It would be, I do believe, considered gambling. It is generally considered Mm -hmm. gambling, but there are a couple sites that work with that uh, CFTC. And the Predict It, is that? Predict It's one of the ones. It's big, but it's also out of New Zealand. New Zealand. So it doesn't have the same kind of limitations, but it also has a carve out. It's been working with the U.S. government trying to follow the rules so that Mm-hmm. Uh, so that people can, you know, right. in the U.S. can use it. And it almost got shut, shut down, down, but it ended up staying alive. They, they have a no-action letter as well. And they these two places get this exception because they are also used for education. Yeah. So the Iowa prediction market or electronic market, I, I, I have to be honest, this is where my brain just deflates, where I just think, but you guys know it all now. Like this went like online in 2007. And I'm like, what else are you learning from this? Except for using it to actually acquire information. And, and for that's outcomes. where it potentially gets tricky. Because some of the people I read said, this is the best way to try and predict the future. 
Well, that's what they say yeah. because they say that this is 12% more accurate than like a regular poll. Yeah. So with that uh, Iowa one, one of the things that they found was that on they went and looked on the days, you know, that they that people would put out these polls. They would go look at the market at the same day and the market outperformed the polls every time. Yeah, inaccuracy. Inaccuracy. So mm-hmm. the, if, the, if the market said this guy was more likely to win and the poll said, you know, this guy was more likely to win, the markets were right more than the polls were right. Right. But, but I kind of want to go back to explaining the prediction markets Let's just do. to give an idea of how they might work. So most of them work on a concept of you're buying a share, and if the share pays out, if the prediction comes true, you get a dollar. And if it doesn't, you get nothing. And so mm-hmm. what will happen is the shares will start maybe at like 50 cents or whatever. So with that trillionaire, will there be a trillionaire by 2028? If you believe that there is going to be a trillionaire, then you would buy a yes share. So mm-hmm. if you buy a yes share for 50 cents, if there's a trillionaire in 2028, you get a dollar. If there's not, you lose your 50 cents. Uh, The way that the markets change and the way that they work is that the more people who say, yes, I believe there's going to be a a trillionaire, it changes the cost of buying a share. Just like it would in a regular stock market. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, well, in a regular stock market, you can say, I want to buy a stock at this price. And then if it hits that, you, you know, you buy the stock. In this one, you're kind of stuck with what the market says. You're just saying, if you believe that there's a 40% chance that there's going to be a trillionaire, as long as you can buy a share for right, uh, you know, X but amount you of cost. But you can buy a yes and you can buy a no, yeah. which is also different than like the stock market. And I, I think this is where, oh, I think I'm just too cheap. To be like, why in the world would I not just click a button that I didn't have to pay for? Why am I spending money? But it's because it's the gambling. You're it's gambling the thing. for it's the like outcome. In, there are two potential reasons. Is The number one one would be to make money. Yes. The number two one would be to participate in this grand, potentially, you know, science experiment to see yeah. if you can predict the future. and. The way that they say that it works is there's something called the wisdom of crowds. Oh. So to give you an idea, one of the guys who had that theory, mm-hmm. uh, it was a professor, and what he ended up doing is something called the jelly bean experiment. So it's this professor, and he's got his class. He's got 56 people in his class. He walks in with a jar filled with jelly beans, all right, everybody in the class, I want you to tell me how many jelly beans are in this jar. And people put in all sorts of guesses, and some of them are way off. But if you took all the guesses divided by the 56 people, they were almost right on. In, wow. in his example, there were 850 jelly beans in that jar. The average you know, if you took the average guess, they guessed 871 on average. One person out of those 56 people outperformed the average. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was further off than the average. And they've done that experiment a couple times. They did the exact same one in 
in 2007. How so, many students do you need in order for this to work? Um, the more, the better. The more, the better. The more, the better, because then you're getting, it's kind of like if you're rolling a, a dice sort sure. of thing, is if you roll it three times and then I got two twos and a three, the dice is broken, but you just need to roll the dice more. Mm -hmm. You know, then it'll come up averaged, you know, you have more anomalies at a lower level. But they did the same thing, and they put more jelly beans in, and the average, you know, when they this guy did it in 2007, he had 73 students. He had a jar with 1,116 jelly beans. Wow. The average student was off by 700. That's crazy. Yeah. But if you took them all and, and then averaged them, their average guess was... Eleven fifty one. They were three percent off. <laughs> so some people, people guess so low. People some low. people guess so high. But wow. you average it all out. The the other thing that they bring up when they talk about this wisdom of crowds was uh, the show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Mm -hmm. They have options where you can go to get help. Mm -hmm. They said if you went back and averaged everything up, if you took the people who use the ask the audience for help option. Mm -hmm. If you ask the audience for help, what happens is everybody in the audience gives their answer. Mm -hmm. That answer was right 95% of the time. Whoa. They have an, another option where you can phone a friend. Yep. So presumably this is the smartest person that these people know. They call that person up. That person is right 60% of the time. Wow. So the random crowd is right 95% of the time. The smartest person, you know, the contestant knows, is right 60% of the time. But this still doesn't explain to me why this is more accurate than a random poll. So uh, what... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, you finish. <laughs> so what they have explained when I go through and I search and I say, okay, why is this more accurate? Why is this a better thing? And they're saying because there's money involved. Because if they have money, they want to guess correctly. But then this is where my brain breaks again. Because I think if I had money involved, I want to guess in the way that I think is going to make me money, right? Yep. So you say, you know what, um, a lot of what they do in the Iowa market is political. So I'm just going to go back to our last election. Biden versus Trump, right? Well, there's, you know, you pick the one that you think you might think is going to win because you want to win instead of the one that you would vote for and as that shifts or as new information comes out I'm like I can't I can't understand why the game isn't more powerful than the actual outcome because once you've already made your bid and you can you can go up to five hundred dollars on the on Iowa one sites mm -hmm. yeah so one of the things the iowa site and the predict it that have been working with that uh commodities trading mm -hmm. commission they say we'll we'll limit the amount that people yes can that's bet. how they get an so, exception you know we're doing this not for betting we'll, we'll put a limit on the betting mm -hmm. but and we're they, doing this for science is right what the, kind and they're of not making is. money off of this yeah so they're non-profits is what mm -hmm. they call themselves they're not they're and I really do think that a lot of these places like Predict It are not, you know, they're not trying to be gambling. They're trying no. to be, you know, future prediction. I think there's a lot of scholastic markets. stuff you can yeah. learn from this. Absolutely. 
And, and to go into that, the government has used this several times. It, the um, In 2001, the CIA was using it until some senators got wind of it. And they're like, why are you gambling on, like, terrorist attacks <laughs> with, with our money? You know, you're spending our money, ga- you know, gambling on these, whether it's or not there's going to be a terrorist attack. Oh, yeah, that's and, insider information. And so people are like, <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe this isn't good. But they, they also are running other ones. So here's a, another interesting one that they've done. This was this was funded by DARPA, mm-hmm. the uh, defense, uh, whatever. Well, I better look that up before I butcher it. But uh, DARPA funded one where uh, they called it replication markets. And what they did in this case is they would do uh, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Yeah. And what they would do with these replication markets is they would take these um, kind of social experiments that, that people would, would do, and then they would go out to a number of scientists, you know, people in the field, and say, is this accurate? Could you, do you think this would replicate if we tried the same thing again? Because doing the studies is expensive and hard. And so what they did is they'd go to these people and say, you know, based on what you've read here, do you think this would replicate? Like, do you think they are their conclusion is accurate? And then they, so what they did is they set up a prediction market, and they had a number of people uh, participate in this just to see would these people think, you know, based on the paper that's been published, that this is legit or not. That way, what their reasoning is, is if they can determine that this is, you know, that, that the majority of scientists or people in this field think this is legit, then we'll either, you know, uh, try and replicate it or we'll just believe, yeah, this is probably accurate. Mm-hmm. And one guy did a, um, he documented his experience in that program, and it was kind of interesting because it gave me kind of an insight into like how this might be working and I can't tell whether or not I believe this is a legit thing. <laughs> so his experience, this is I what he says, that. he was invited to do one and this was published on the National Institute of Health website as well, mm-hmm. but I got my information from this one particular person's own personal blog. So what they did was they took 3,000 social science papers and they would break it into a round where in every round there would be 300 papers that you would have to go essentially kind of gamble on and say, yes, I think this is true or not true or whatever. And so you're supposed to put in kind of a, what is the probability that this paper would replicate what proportion of the other forecasters do you think will answer greater than 50% to the replication? And then just give me a how plausible is the claim in general. Mm-hmm. And then what they did is they put in the, you know, you're, you're gambling, you're, you're playing with fake money, but whoever does the best gets real money. 
Oh, wow. And they put in, I think they just had for these 3,000 papers or whatever, there was like a total of like $160,000 on the line. So he said he won $10,000. And they, so the first thing is that they have everybody fill out those answers and then they create a market and you're allowed to go in and start, you know, I think this guy, you know, is wrong. I think he miscalculated what the odds are and so the odds are wrong so I'm going to capitalize on that and I will buy shares you know of this or bet against him or whatever and then whoever does the best at the end of the round uh, essentially gets paid and so he one of the examples he gives an example of one of the studies so the study was whether collective guilt an in-group's collective greenhouse gas emissions mediates the effects of beliefs about the causes and effects of global warming on uh, willingness to what? engage <laughs> in mitigation behavior. I mean, what? <laughs> yeah. So let, what, he, what it really is, is somebody calls up and they say, you know, there's, there's going to be two versions. Somebody calls up and says, hey, would you support paying higher taxes to cut, you know, the greenhouse, you know, effect or whatever to mm-hmm. mitigate climate change? And somebody answers. So then they call up a different group or whatever and say, hey, you know, everybody's contributing to global warming and these greenhouse gases. You know, would you be willing to offset your, you know, thing by paying taxes? So they see whether or not trying to guilt somebody into, Mm -hmm. you know, if if that changes. And what did they find? uh, I think they found, they said that that one... Like, there is a, a small, you know, change in behavior if you guilt somebody versus not guilting somebody. But it, it had, like, 72 people responding. So, uh-huh. you know, obviously they're worried, you know, like, maybe this isn't legit. So that's why they're going to these people saying, what do you think? And the, so then the people go and they take into account, oh, 72 people, that's not a lot. Nope. You know, they... And what the guy ended up doing is he just came up with his own system. He just made it up and said, he took in all these weird factors, you know, how many people put their names on this paper? How many people from different countries put their names on this paper? And he would give different scores to these different things and say, look, you know, if there's... X number, that's a good thing. I will put, you know, to me, that gives it a favorable ranking. And he ended up automating his entire thing so that he had a a system that would just go in (laughs) and make trades automatically. Every 15 minutes, it would check to see if something had changed. And if it, his little system would come up with a percentage. You know, if this one ever drops below 60% for AF, buy it. And that's what I am like. That's where I think it weirds me out in my brain is because if you're playing the game, how can it be so accurate all the time? I I don't know, but here's somebody's explanation. Is they're saying if you do this for money, the incentive for people to make money is always going to pull anybody who believes that the number is off is going to go buy it. You know, they're going to go. So one oh, guy for up to their five hundred dollars. You you think? And, and one of the one of the papers, the guy he had a blog thing, and he was saying the problem with predict it is that there's an eight hundred and fifty dollar limit. 
Mm-hmm. So if you think the market is off, you can't get it back to normal because you can't spend enough. Yeah. If you if you thought, you know, if they said basically something, you know, ridiculous, you know, Russia will um, drop a nuke on, you know, New York by next Tuesday. And mm-hmm. I, you know, the market says there's a 99% chance this is going to happen. You're like, no, nah, I don't think that's going to happen. You can't spend enough to drop it down to what the real percentage would be. But he's saying if you didn't have those restrictions, somebody is going to look and say, I can make a ton of money Mm -hmm. off this. So if I go in and I spend a million dollars, in theory, that will then drop it, you know, closer to what might be accurate. Mm -hmm. But I can't tell if there's something to this or not. Yeah. Because his basic argument is uh, you wouldn't, you would never want to participate in the market if you thought the market was accurate because then it's just a coin flip. So you want the market to be inaccurate. On the flip side, he says, oh, and prediction markets are an excellent way, you know, this is the best information we have. Well, if this is the best, then how is it wrong? You know, like, why would you bet against it? Yeah, because that's another place where my brain got stuck is because you, when you do a poll and you vote and you, I mean, you, you ask people questions and they, and they answer them. One person gets one vote. Yeah. So when you're having one person get 500 votes or however much, because it's $500 limit, sometimes you're only 60 cents you know yeah however many votes that one person gets that's when i'm like wait a second but it's not accurate like you've got one guy who's like acting like like 600 people like i and it throws my mind off i can't figure out how this can be so much more accurate than than the random you know question asking but i it just blows my mind that this is as accurate more so accurate than when when it's played so unevenly. Yeah, and, and I don't understand some of the ruling behind it because he, you know, in this guy's write up, he has a huge long write up about this thing, and he covers mm-hmm. all sorts of scenarios. He, in most cases, I feel like he's doing his best to try and be honest about you know, like because yeah. I really think that one of the things that I worry about is that this is essentially, you know, like the CIA's Project Stargate sort of thing, and that yes. somebody's Actually, like, oh, this I, is, this is how you predict notes. the future, you know, sort of thing. And then it turns out, you don't know. don't you want to have them be the ones that are like, this is who you should put, yeah. <laughs> this is who you should vote for. And, and one of the things that he, you know, he, he brings up, you know, the, he, he's asking questions that might be asked, you know, like, well, wouldn't rich people just be able to sway this? You know, they're going to have tons of money. Couldn't they just come in and say, you know, here's my million dollars on this? And he says, well, yeah, but... But the outcome. But the outcome yeah, will, connected you know, in this. theory won't be tied to this. Mm-hmm. And in theory, what will happen is since this is a market and people want to make money, mm-hmm. anybody who catches that the market is off is going to want to get in on it. So... Yes, because it's cheaper. Yeah. Can you Mm -hmm. imagine, you know, some rich person is trying to influence something, so they buy a million shares. Well, there's going to be somebody else who goes, well, now this is, you know, 20% off. 
So I'm going to buy a million shares on the other side mm-hmm. to make money. And, and that's his argument is there's always going to be an incentive for somebody to be accurate rather than right. potentially try and influence or because, anything like that. Because if you're off, because it says here in, in one of these things where it talked about how on September 14th, when Clinton and Trump were running against each other, September 14th, so a month away from the election, less than, Clinton was selling for 67 cents and Trump was selling for 33 cents. So anyone who voted for Trump, who then won, got the extra yeah. <laughs> money. Like they, they bought they a dollar spent, for 33 Yeah, cents. they bought a dollar for 33 cents. And so um, that is why it's in your best interest if, if it is like this and it is off. Because you then make your money. So that's what they're saying is if you can recognize that something's off, in theory, you'd correct it. Mm -hmm. And and in theory, I think that's true. And I honestly believe some of these people believe it, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's what would happen. But I'm not sure that that's actually what would happen. This is another place where I get stuck. Because at the beginning, when it's 50-50, you have to put in your vote... I mean, somebody has to start yeah. this and somebody's going to lose money. And and I just think I don't know what the um, incentive is for those initial people to start off trading like or to yeah. the voting. And and so there's you're two not things getting that anything at that, that very first bit is most of <laughs> the people who put the question forward are just kind of curious. Like, I wonder mm-hmm. what people think. You know, like, do people think, you know, the end of the world is going to happen in 2030? Well, let me let me put that out there. And I'll just ask that question. Your vote costs 50 cents. Yeah. Like, at the very beginning. So you're you're paying 50 cents to answer a question. And yeah. it could it could pay you back. And it could pay you back. And <laughs> it's not going to not. <laughs> I don't even know some of the rules because in my head, I think some of them must not start at 50-50. Yeah. Because well, I've seen people who basically they kind of pose a question and then what they do is they say, I think there's a 10% chance, you know. That, oh, and they already do and, odds. And so you might already be starting at, at 10 cents. or. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how some of those start. I just know there are a lot of them because what I think is if everything started at 50-50, you would be incentivized to start something that you knew had way crap, right. you know, way different odds mm-hmm. and then get in early. Yeah. And get all the... The ones that are, you know, that, where you're buying it way cheaper than any. So I feel like they must do something to offset that. Yeah. There also is, you know, like, I think the first one you buy, like, let's say there's no shares bought. The yeah. first one changes the market dramatically. So you, you buy true. one share and it goes from like 50 cents to 40 cents or whatever. I and do it, think some of them give you a little bit of a, I, I know the fake money ones. Yeah. Give you like a little bit of a freebie money just to start with. Yeah. You so don't have to earn it ones, yet. And those ones are actually really interesting because it seems to me that there are more people playing the fake money ones than the real ones. Sure. And as I would probably play the fake money one, and I wouldn't play the real money one because I'm cheap and I don't want to lose my 50 cents. <laughs> See, and I, to me, there's a, definitely an aspect of that. But if you actually thought you knew, yeah. And you think you're win- you, you don't think you're losing money, you think you're winning. Money. It's true. 
And I think that's potentially a problem of, you know, as far as like the gambling stuff goes is if this does become legal, what happens, you know, all of a sudden you've moved from just say like sports gambling, which is like $180 billion a year industry to anything, anything gambling, whether or not a cat makes it to the end of the week or lives to be 27 or yeah. There's Anything. a lot of weird stuff that gets put on some of these. Most of the ones, yeah. you know, like the predict it and whatever that are working with the with commodity trading, yes. you know, thing, they don't let people just make up crazy ones. Like no. Some of the ones let people, anybody can put whatever they want on and whether mm-hmm. or not people participate, you know, if you say, my cat's going to live to be 30, how many people want to participate? Probably not that many. No, because you'd have to wait till your cat's 30 to, to figure that one if that works. But there are, there's one, there's a lot of them. So they have SciCast, which is um, focusing on science and technology forecasting. They have iPredict, which is another one in New Zealand that doesn't use real money. Um, Metaculous? Metaculous. Metaculous? I like that better than Metaculous. (laughs) (laughs) Ridiculous. But it's also... um, more like sidecasts where but they're they're doing data range predictions they have good judgment open um and then they have one that i i kind of went down and just thought was so fascinating called the hollywood stock exchange oh i heard about yeah. that one and <laughs> and i i didn't look into that one because there was another one that i heard about that i didn't look into which was about like supreme i think they called it like a Supreme Court fantasy or something really? like that. And so people would just bet on what they think the Supreme Court rulings are going to oh be. Oh, my gosh. See, that to me is fascinating. I'd do that one. <laughs> but the Hollywood Stock Exchange one, I I started going down because it had closed for a while because of the pandemic. They ran out of money, which I don't understand yeah. how they're like making you feel like, money because like, it's free money. Especially like the pandemic thing, you think, more people just be like, I need something inside there, that I can do. But there was no films oh, to talk yeah. about. Oh, yeah. So that, that makes So sense. they kind of shut down because what they do is they say, hey, there's a rumor that they're going to be doing, oh, what's a Iron Man 75, right? Who do you think would be best for Iron Man? And they would, like, put against two actors. And then whoever won, I mean, companies are looking at the answers to these questions and then going and picking the people that people have been voting on. Or else they'll say something like, um, do you think this should be done with a lot of CGI or without much CGI? Or stuff like this, where they'll just go. And the, the studios are like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they're following what these people say. And so that's why the Hollywood Stock Exchange predictions are very accurate. Because the studios are watching the outcomes of these of these polls. Yeah. And they're making their decisions based on what people's cares are. And I think that's genius. But I also don't actually see it when I'm watching the movie. <laughs> like, wait a second. Have I lost every single one of these polls? None of this. I just miss old movies. But uh, I did think that that was absolutely fascinating. And it is a good idea, especially to have, like, super high accuracy compared to like a random poll because you know these studios if they're going to do some sort of poll it's going to be because they had to go through like 
a group of people who were willing to come into their um oh my gosh, I forgot auditions. Or... No, the oh the screenings. What yeah, where you have like a group of people who come and tell you if they like the movie yeah. or if they like it so far. I can't it's believe not it. screening, but it's kind of like that. I where, can't remember the word. Where they bring in, you know, 10 people and then say, all <laughs> yes. right, tell me what you liked and what you didn't like and was yeah. this good and was whatever. And and so this is, you know, you have to have people who maybe aren't quite as into movies. Maybe they're just wanting the extra $30 for coming in, you know. So you have a different group who's very invested telling you what they think is good and and I think that that's a brilliant thing that the the movies it, it probably is and mm-hmm. in addition to stuff like that companies have done their own prediction markets where so this is one done by I think Eli Lilly who is one of they're like a pharmaceutical company oh uh-huh. and they put out just kind of their own little internal market and they would say things you know what are the chances that this drug passes, mm-hmm. you know, makes it to market? You know, what drug do you think has the highest percent chance to make to market? You know, uh, if we put more money into this, you know, would it increase the odds? And they put out these questions to people and then take those answers and use that to make business decisions. And I think if you did it that way to talk about politics, if it was like, hey, you know, who do you guys think would be best as the Republican nominee? Do you think it would be this guy or this guy? And, and I mean, they do that. But they, if you did it even, you know, before people say, hey, I'm going to run. If you said, if you had like a whole slew of, I don't know, I really like governor such and such from this state. And, and people were just able to have that out there. Then I think it would be more representative of, of the actual nation who was selected if they kind of could pull it back more like they did in the Hollywood market than waiting for people to be like it would I mean because in in the Hollywood stock exchange it's not like the actors are saying hey I'm putting myself up to be Iron Man 75 it would it's it's and there's no campaigning from them or anything so so if they could do politics that way I think that would be incredibly beneficial I think there is some potential benefit, but what I always worry about is that somebody figures out how to game the system. Uh-huh. And, and I worry about that even just with markets in general. Is it One of the things the guy talked about with like the prediction markets, uh, you know, these people are saying this is the most accurate prediction. You know, we're taking all of the people. In theory, you don't have any biases because you got bias on this side, bias on this side, and they cancel each other out mm-hmm. and we get close. But anybody who knows how to game the system can then ch- make it seem like the odds are different than they really are. But don't you think in politics especially oh, that politics they're already, is already gaming broken. the system? Oh, for sure. So to me, I'm like, I feel like it's worth having it be okay for a while. <laughs> it, it, it might be way better. Yeah. To be honest, because you really do. One of the things that I think is kind of broken with politics is that everybody has they're just in sales pitch mode all the time. And you don't really believe anything they're saying. If they got to not do that. Yeah. And it just went, okay, these are their policies, whatever. All right, everybody, what do you think about that? How hard would it be to create something like that? How hard? Yeah. Uh, 
you have two main problems. Mm. The first is just creating, you know, the the interface, the back end, you know, whatever. So you got, and, and that I don't, you know, it, it takes a long time to do that stuff, but it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. The second part, and this is the hard part, is you got to get people to go there. And the only way to really do that is to have an audience of tons of people that you can say, hey, come here. And so that's where the people who have, you know, Twitter presences and your influencers and your whatever, you know, that's where that stuff matters. To me, that's the harder (laughs) part because it's easy to get people to build something like that, you know, the, that, that people's jobs to, to do me, that. that does not seem easy well it, it's gonna take a lot of time but it's mm-hmm. really i don't think that hard i think someone should do this the hard I part is how do you compete against you know predict it and metaculous and manifold and whatever when they already have tons of people who are out advocating for their site so you you would have to somehow get people to go to your site yeah. And I, to me, that's the part that I don't know how to wrap my head around. The rest of it, I can wrap my head around. You know, how would you build this? Okay, well, first, you know, you got to have a, a back-end system in your database, and you're, then you got your front-end, and this is what it's going to look like. And, and and to me, that part makes sense. The how you get people to go there, I don't know how you do that. Because, it, you know, if you get 20 people going to your site, you're not – you're not well, doing that's anything. probably what Reddit thought at one point too. It, it is, <laughs> but my guess is and you oh my find word. a thousand different people who thought they were going to make a Reddit that failed, that's and true. nobody hears about them. Well, we're not going to think of that. We're going to come up with a brand new site, and it's going to be amazing, and everyone's going to use it, and it's going to be cool. It's going to change history. Well, <laughs> it, yeah, you say that, and they all right. So now we got to work with the Commodities and Future Trading Commission and whatever. Uh, no, because we'd use fake money. We could use fake money, just like the Hollywood Stock Exchange. And, and most of those, the fake money ones, mm-hmm. it's a status game more than fake well, money. In those, game. they'll give you like, oh, here's a million dollars to vote with yeah. before you even get started. So, so I didn't, I didn't look at the Hollywood one, but the fake money one that I've seen, the Metaculous and I think uh, Manifold, mm-hmm. it's what they do, end up doing is they kind of, here's our leaderboard. These are the people yeah. who are doing the best, and so you're essentially fighting to be on the leaderboard. So you're just trying to gain fake money so that you can be at the top so that then, you know, they've got comment sections, they've got prizes, they got whatever, but it's just so that you're at the top. Yeah. That's why you're playing. It's for fun and prestige. Which is, which is kind of like most, you know, group online games yeah. that aren't terribly serious. But yes. And and I know that I played a game on my phone and I was like, look at me. <laughs> and it was fun. <laughs> See, and that's what I kind of think with some of this. One of the things that interested me. So, so there were two things with the prediction markets that interested me, and one of them was that kind of seems like fun. Like yeah. if you were sitting around, you you might just sit around with a group of friends and go, you know, ask some of these questions. You know, what do you think is going to happen here? You know, what do you think the chances are that you know World War Three is going to break out in the next? You know, these are sort of things you might just talk about 
for fun anyway. And then the second part is, does this predict the future? You know, like, is this the best way to actually get an idea of what's really going to happen in the future? And that part I'm not sold on. You know, all the people who are big into this say, oh, yeah, this is the best way to predict the future. I'm not. I'm not sold. It does. Everybody says it outperforms other things, and I'll bet that's true. Mm-hmm. But I'm still. If you were to say, are, are you willing to make you know actionable decisions based off of this? No. No, but people have, and it you know. So I looked up the Iowa electronic market, and they don't have anything going on right now. But I did look up Predict It, and they currently have two relevant. Um, these are the, they're two most predicted at this point, which is funny because this is in New Zealand. Yeah. But it's about American politics. So they have the GOP 2024 presidential nominee. Donald Trump is at 44 cents. I did copy and paste this in here like, um, four days ago. <laughs> so things so it might not be changed. accurate, but still. Things have changed. Um, and Ron DeSantis was at 36 cents. And I, there are other people, yeah. which is why there's a gap there for a dollar. But the t- Democratic 2024 presidential nominee, Joe Biden, is 69 cents. Yeah. And Gavin Newsom is 11 cents. And I just, I, that's to me, I'm like, I'd pay 11 cents <laughs> for Gavin Newsom because it's, you watched that man. I'm not sure how much he has left in him. I don't know how he's 69 cents. I can't figure that out either. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, that, that those are the sort of reasons that I'm not sure that I believe in, you know, any of this as far as, is that the best prediction? Yeah. Cause in my head, like I wonder the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, it was amazing that he won. And when he won, I honestly thought, you know, part of his appeal is that he was going to be like a one-term president because how would he run how again? How could he run again? You know, yes. I, I mean, he can't even walk again, you know, like, <laughs> let alone There's run, no running. <laughs> it, it, it kind of blew my mind when I start seeing that he's way out in the lead oh, in all so of this stuff. Oh, so far out in the lead. Stuff. I, I agree. And, and I have my political mean areas both directions but this one i just think because they asked corinne jean pierre who's the press secretary and they're like is he planning to run again and and she kind of dodged for a while for several weeks but now she's like yep <laughs> i just am like oh you guys Ugh. see and i think i think he probably will run again and- i I, and I honestly is, am falling the into the detriment that. I, of the Democratic I think Party. He, he'll probably win because they're too afraid to pick anybody else. They do say that there's a 90% chance that um, incumbents, people who are already in office, win again. Yeah. So that was why Trump was such a surprise. That's probably why Trump was so angry that it didn't happen because he fell into the 10%. But that would, I don't, well... I won't go into why that is so astonishing to me, but it it pretty astonishing just in yeah in general. But the flip side is, if it's not him, who who's it going to be? Because anybody, Gavin I mean, Newsom, even, but he's going to get 
slammed by everybody going, look at all California's California. <laughs> look at how many Californians have moved out. Oh, almost 500,000. And their crime's the going up in there. Several years. Know, like, yeah. they have a ton of different problems. And It's true. That so is a hard sell. So if they set him, Kamala Harris, people are not pleased I've with her performance. I've heard that they've been telling that if he runs again, she won't be the vice I, president. I, I bet, because... I don't My know opinion how. is it's been detrimental, you know, the, the way she's handled things, people haven't thought she's done a good job. Right, but with the current political things being the way they are, like, I think it would be very hard for them to let that go, like, to let her go. Even See, though I don't, I don't. As long as, uh, essentially, you just fill the seat with somebody, somebody who, else. who fits those same criteria of... It's unfortunate. But, That's yeah. another day. That, that's a whole different thing. Uh, I, yeah, so. So one of the things that I thought would be fun would, would be to actually go through some of the predictions that uh, that people have made. Awesome. So here's uh, one that I thought would be amusing. Will Donald Trump tweet once, at least once, in 2023? <gasps> oh, my gosh. That must have been old. He hasn't tweeted. He hasn't tweeted He's yet? On, he only goes on his truth network or market or whatever. He, oh. he hasn't tweeted yet. He's been reinstated. Oh, absolutely he will. But he said that he won't. <laughs> he did? Because I, I think his argument, he's kind of mad that they kicked him off, and he wants his truth social network to be the network. Ah. Uh. But if he goes on Twitter, he gets way more people to listen to him. So... Right now, the market is at 46% that he will. So for 46 cents... Do you vote yes or do you vote no? So if I had to vote on this one and it was 46 cents, I would probably vote yes, that he will tweet. Because you would make more money with 46 and, than you and would. I think that he's going to want to, with his you know presidential bid and... Mm-hmm. His legal, you know, whatever that he's going through, he's gonna want that bigger audience. That's at some what point. I would think too. Is that his truth? It only isn't gonna. It hits his yes men. He yeah, needs to hit everybody. He wants to change. Mm-hmm. He needs to change people's minds, and the people on truth, their minds are already made up. Yeah. So to they me, I would like say him. he does. <laughs> but spite might keep him from. From doing it that it's never stopped him before it's <laughs> i don't know what his motivations with some of the stuff are but so here's another one. Oh, we did this this one, one was a, yeah will uh-huh. there be a trillionaire by the end of 2028 40 percent of or, or right now 40 percent of the people or the vote is it yes there will be Ab- absolutely you think there's going to be a trillionaire i by do 2028? i think there already are trillionaires they and i think they're they in just Saudi know how Arabia. to hide it yeah and so they, the um, oil royalty in Saudi Arabia, yeah. they don't have to declare how much money they have. So I truly but, believe that. But part are. of these things would have to be, there has Provable. to be some disclosure and provable. So you wouldn't but, just be able to say, I think the Saudis. But that's five years. Maybe not. And, and it's really hard to say because I think there is, you know, there's number one, stocks have not been performing that well. So no, but a lot some of pe- people, people make a lot lost. of money off of that. And then the second thing is there seems to be oh, a big push against, you know, 
taxing the rich and whatever, so they might lose True. their money from that. But mm-hmm. on the flip side, you, you got things like AI stuff coming, and if somebody and has the potential to it. be the next, you know, Elon Musk or Bill mm-hmm. Gates or whoever, and if it is Elon Musk who's the next Elon Musk, his you know his value <laughs> could essentially. But in five years, in five because years, you could see that in twenty years for sure. See, and five? I, I now I hesitate. I would still vote yes, though. See, and I, I'd, I'd probably vote no just because I feel like the regulations and whatever somebody, if there ever is Does a trillionaire, have to be in the United States. Can I don't it be think proven so. somewhere else because I believe there's a man in India who's. Well, I just saw something that said that the world's richest person is is Renault or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's French. Um, and it was only 200-something billion. Oh. And so Elon Musk had dropped. He was above that. And mm-hmm. He was dropped. Because he bought Twitter. Yeah, he bought Twitter. <laughs> Whoops. People got mad as Tesla stock started dropping. So he he's, I'd say he's had a rough year, but I, I when you have like $100 billion, I don't think rough what, year is a right What word. more than $5 billion really impacts your life yeah and and it's so true and not only that like to me he doesn't even live like most billionaires no he works all the time he works all the time he he, like rents a normal house and drives normal cars he does have his own plane by the stuff he's driven by the accomplishment and so he doesn't live in all the stuff yeah all right here's the next one okay Will the average U.S. price of gas exceed $5 a gallon by June 1st, 2023? No. No. So 24% is it, uh, where it's at. So no, you could buy a share of no for, I think a no would 66. cost you 76 cents. Oh, 76 cents. So but, I wouldn't buy that, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing is I'm like, I really don't think it'll be $5. I'm not going to buy it. See, and I worry with a lot of the stuff because if you ask me with most of this stuff, you know, what do you think? I think I'm too stupid to know Mm -hmm. whether this is right or wrong. And, yeah, I might be able to participate and help get the jelly bean count closer to the right number, but at my own expense. Mm -hmm. So if I was really playing the game, I would find out who the – super forecasters are who the Warren Buffetts of, you know, prediction markets are, and I would just do whatever they did. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't help anything as far as predicting, but that seems like the smartest way to play if you're playing for money and yeah. you don't know. I guess you would make 24 extra cents. Yeah. But and still. In theory, like if you know, that's just free money. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody really knows. Anything could potentially happen. It's true. You know, because like OPEC just cut off, you know, their, the amount of oil they're putting out. So you might see uh, a change. That was just something happened in the last week. And keep in mind, all this, these numbers are a week old. So I don't know if that's changed. But here's another question. At any point in 2023, will Bitcoin be worth over $100,000? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. It's a 25% chance that it will. So if we were to bet no, like we wouldn't really make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. 
but I still have a hard time believing that it's going to go up. I think because everyone's so terrified of their finances right now, it isn't the money dump that it was five years ago. See, and I think there's a lot of, say, like regulations and stuff that are starting to hit the cryptocurrency market, plus things like, you know, when, when the FTX... Uh, oh, yeah. exchange crashes mm-hmm. and turns out there's all sorts of fraud behind it and I, I think that kind of scares people out but alright will TikTok be banned in the US or forced to change ownership in yeah, 2023 yeah. I think it will be forced to change ownership I don't think it will be banned see and I kind of am not sure that either will happen in 2023 because we're too slow to do anything they did a, um, I, I think this is a big enough thing, and I think enough on both sides of the aisle think it's a big enough thing that I think some decision will be made, and I think it will be the selling. Because I watched when um, the CEO of TikTok came over and was talking in front of the Congress, and they, they are trying so hard to get everything to line up so that they don't get lost here in America. Because if you are under the age of 45, half of your brain is wired through TikTok now (laughs) if you live in America. So they want America for sure. And to change ownership is way less than being banned to them. It's true. Mm -hmm. So I think that if if they had to pick, they would pick changing ownership. Because they would still have relationship ties and whatever of that nature. Um, but I think that China will do everything it can to not be banned. And yeah. I have some pretty strong feelings about why. <laughs> but when you look in their history about who owns what and who's where. But that's that's where I lean. And, and that I one do. is pretty even. Like it's a 51% chance that it will either be banned or forced to change ownership. So that one is pretty even as far as what people are believing right now yeah so here's here's one in 2028 will at least 350,000 which is one out of every thousand Americans be talking at least monthly to an AI therapist or coach by 2028 by 2028 yes I think so as well that's a low number to me it, and and the stuff that I've read about, like, there are already people going to see AI therapists. I actually would trust an AI therapist over about ninety percent of regular therapists. I could I can kind of mm-hmm. see that. And somebody was given the you know they were talking to somebody who was going to one and saying like you know this isn't a real person. And they're like, yeah, but the stuff it says is working. Well, the only thing a therapist is supposed to do for you is to help you organize your own mind and put yourself in a place where you can recognize, you know, friend or foe or danger or whatever, or logic or things that are tripping you up. Like that's the therapist's job. So if a therapist is trying to do anything else, um, maybe there's a reason, but most of the time it's just because they really have no clue what they're doing. And I would, I would definitely trust an AI therapist over 90% of all therapists. Yeah, I would I would go into the yes, but the yes, like it's at seventy five percent of people are saying yes right now, mm, so it's or not set worth the market's the at seventy five. Do you think 
that that is what happens because you don't look at much over 75%. Do you think when it hits 75%, people are like, I'm not really going to vote anymore and it stagnates? I wonder because <laughs> I've seen them at 99%. Have you? Cents. Like, and some of them are pretty, you know, it would be along the lines of, you know, is a Democrat going to win in the governor in California? And people, are like, yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah, which is and fascinating. And so the, there are some that you'll see that get up to 99. So here's one that's at 87%. Oh. <laughs> Will an AI get a perfect SAT score before 2025? And 87% of people are saying yes. I don't know why not. I don't know why not yeah. either. And I've seen there's a... If I could take the SAT and I could Google everything and I don't even have access in my brain to Google everything... I would probably get a perfect score, too. <laughs> Somebody is, there's an economics professor who writes a blog, and he had the latest version of the chat GPT uh-huh. take his exam. Oh. And it got the highest score mm. in the class. And he, he was one of the non-believers. He's like, this won't happen. You know, like, this is not going to happen. And he gave it the older version of chat GPT, and it got kind of an average score and he oh, still really? was kind of like, oh, this is negative. And then the latest version, he's like, yeah, this is better than any of my students. This reminds me. So back in the day, you had accountants who had to do all of their math longhand. Maybe you had like a calculator or a 10 key, but you had to do it all of your accounting longhand. And then here come computers and, and the old school people were like no you have to longhand this this is how you know if you got it right and then the computers totally excelled over longhand faster more accurate all those things and so you know a hundred years ago accountants can't even imagine how much work you can get done as an accountant right now and so I do think you know as AI because you're like oh no you want the people to know how to, to do this you want the people to know how to longhand their information but then when we had a computer you're like no actually i just want the people to know how to use a computer and i wonder if that's what ai is going to do where we're like no no you need to be able to think of this yourself and then we're like well actually i just want you to be able to use chat gpt really well (laughs) there's a lot of people saying uh what you you know what you need to do is learn how to talk to chat gpt and get good answers from it Mm -hmm. rather than like like even people like learning to code or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some people are saying, you know, chat GPT can code. can code. You just need to be able to, the person who can tell it how to build something the best mm-hmm. is going to get a better job than the person who can program. As, and, soon, as, as soon as this comes to, mm-hmm. you know, fruition or market or whatever. Just like you've lost, you know, that initial layer when you're building websites. You know, long yeah. time ago, you put together a class, you're putting in every little click. You're telling key. people how to do HTML. Yeah. Here's how you make something bold. Here's how you do <laughs> yeah. this. Here's how you do and this. You pull and... it up on the side, and then it transitioned where you almost don't even have to know yeah. any HTML. You in, might in have fact, to be able to recognize something. In fact, some of it is insane. It. Like, if you go try and track some of the, the way that the style sheets and the HTML yeah. and stuff works now, Doing that, trying to do what they do, trying to do that manually would be... Oh, the massive amount of information. Just so painful. Mm -hmm. Because it's all done, you know, people are just able to do this thing. Instead of having, like, a handful of style sheets, there's, you know, 20,000. Because the computer doesn't care. It can Mm -hmm. pump them out. 
So it, it's just a totally different game now. Mm-hmm. There, nobody would build a website by saying, "All right, make an HTML page like this and mm-hmm. do this." Like nobody. And it would used do that. to be that it was good to have that as a base foundation of your knowledge. Yeah. Now it doesn't even really matter that much for a bulk of anyone who does any of that stuff. No. And and I feel like that this is the next shift where it's like, oh, actually, I'm just going to tell the computer to just do it. Yep. <laughs> It'll be really interesting to see what kind of creativity comes from this because it is a creativity blocker. It it thwarts creativity in the sense that it does it itself. And yet there will still be an avenue for people who, who can find who, a way. Who can use it. The mm-hmm. people who use it the best, mm-hmm. they, they will have market value. Yep. All right. We'll just do a couple more and then we'll, we'll uh, call this episode... All right. Will the 2024 election be a Biden-Trump rematch? I would vote no. <laughs> I think it's shaping up to be, and I don't even I don't want it to be. That 34 percent are saying yes, and my this is where it comes into. I think I'm just gonna trust the prediction market because I'm too stupid in my head. I think it shouldn't be. There's just too many things going against both of them right now for me to put a lot of money on that on that happening. On that. Because Trump right now is in his legal process. He's been arrested. Yeah. Um, but it's not slowing him down. Like he's it, No, it's not. However, if it's still in the quagmire when yeah. the election hits closer. Especially when you start getting your political donors and whatever yes. that are going to say, They're gonna why be like, would we put any money uh, towards this guy? Yes. Let's put it Let's towards somebody else. Let's put it for a else. more surefire bet. But also Biden, and as rude as oh. this sounds, I don't know that he's going to make it to the end of his term. Not because, like, he'll, like, tip over and, and die, but because I won, I think. His ability to his do abilities, it is gone. Because right now they're enough. glossing over the fact. Yeah. Everybody's pretending that he's okay. And it's getting to a point right now where you can't pretend it anymore. And And in two years from now. Or a year from That's now, the problem. It's like because mm. because I don't th- I don't I think he can make it to the end of this term because right. he can As essentially hide president. in the White House and yes. he doesn't have to be in the public. But when he goes to campaign, oh man, can at, you imagine him up at a at a why? See, my brain doesn't even work. Don't vote for me for president. <laughs> but when a debate, I was like a conflict. That's the word that kept coming into my head. <laughs> Can you imagine him at a conflict with each other at a debate where you have Trump who is happy to snark on anybody and you have Biden who's lost whatever quick wit he had three years ago. And there wasn't much three years ago. He kind of ran on the nice guy platform, which is what everybody wanted because Trump was such not a nice guy. And then you've got Biden who's like, oh, I see that it wasn't just that you were a nice guy. You're also just not an you're not capable of being an an angry competitive debater see and i i i think that it won't even really matter in that case because if he runs against trump Mm -hmm. it's really just gonna be are you do you want trump or anybody but trump (laughs) yes if he doesn't run against trump like i honestly feel like that would be way worse for him mm-hmm. because then he does have to stand up and he can't just go, 
do you want this guy you know mm-hmm. to be president which i think will be what he runs regardless of who comes from that party but if it's yes. trump i think he's going to get a lot more people going you know oh we got to do whatever to keep trump out well and as the gop you have to say to yourself you know trump's fairly even in age with biden yeah but then you have desantis who's a young guy who yeah. kind of has a lot of the people who like trump they they might hate desantis because he's not trump but they kind of believe a lot of the same stuff that he believes. And so to have a young buck like DeSantis next to Biden would be a very fascinating, it's like a JFK situation. It where, would be. Where they're like, wait a second. Like, it would be kind of like. guy's old. Uh, JFK versus Nixon. <laughs> yes. If Nixon were also like 90 years old. Yes, because he wasn't even 90 years old. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, back then. Nixon was ugly and he yeah. was not well spoken. And then you had you had this JFK. young, well spoken, yeah, attractive and, and wasn't guy sweaty. on TV. Yeah, <laughs> and not that John, not that DeSantis is like he's he's uh, no JFK. No, <laughs> he's no JFK. But <laughs> Biden's no Nixon. That <laughs> <laughs> uh. that would they can't. I mean. If DeSantis wins and and Biden is the Democratic nominee, that's that's going to be a fascinating situation to watch unfold. Yeah. Uh, that whole race is just <laughs> going to be crazy regardless. <laughs> All right. Last question. Okay. Will the U.S. Consumer Price Index for inflation for 2023 average over 4%? So will we have 4% inflation in 2023 based on the consumer price index yes i think it's gonna be higher i do too i think we're seven i think it'll be seven or eight that's my that's my guess and what's weird this one is 41 percent are saying it'll be over four so like i would put that much higher hard to bring it down and they're trying so hard but everything they're doing has other consequences Mm -hmm. you know like the the bank Oh yeah, the bank's going down. That was which a people are saying big shift. We still have some serious issues. The next one I think they're saying is like the consumer uh, real estate or corporate real estate world oh, yeah. or whatever. They're saying I just, that's I just looked in into that. really bad that shape. That's like this crumbling. could be worse than like the two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just eight read that crash article, mm-hmm. and and I don't know what to make of you know like I don't you know need enough, more time. But, that, but that is something to know that's on the horizon. Yeah, but I, it it does make me think uh, that they might have to adjust what they're doing to get inflation under control just so that they don't cause other problems. Yeah. It's fascinating. Oh, look how fun these markets are. It, uh, that's what <laughs> it, And I, I do worry that if you make this legal, that all of a sudden anybody that, you know, the, people are just going to be going and going, oh, this is fun. You know, yes. I'm just having fun, and they'll just be on their little app or whatever, and it'll be worse than the sports betting, which is mm-hmm. already crazy. Oh, yeah. You know, like if if you watch commercials during sports events, it, it, they just always have, hey, you can bet, you know, DraftKings, and we got all these different ways to bet on sports. And Well, that's why gambling is considered illegal in so many places is because people can get carried away. Yeah lose their livelihood if you do it on stupid stuff like everything not that sports isn't considered a stupid thing sometimes but
But if you do all of that, man, like. And what I think, too, with some of the stuff, especially the political stuff, is it, we have a bad enough problem with sports, you know, when, when you're a fan of your home team or yes. whatever. But imagine when you put that into politics and you got all these people who are willing to go out and march in the streets or whatever that oh, now yeah. they're just going to go, my side that, for sure is, is the winning side. So I know we want to wrap up, but now I want to talk about the um, the concerns that, that and the controversial incentives that the markets were are they're afraid of. So they have limitations on what kind of markets that you can have because they're afraid that if you predicted the death of a world leader, it would lead to his assassination. Yeah. Assassination. That that having something that people, when you get enough mob mentality together, can shift the market that would affect people's money, that it would be an incredibly dangerous place to be. Is it- so one of the examples that I saw is they're saying somehow you have to be able to filter those things out of the yeah. market. If you let somebody come in and, and create a market, you know, will, uh, you know, somebody burn down the Seven Eleven by mm-hmm. this date and you let them go put that in. Then they'll burn down yeah, the 7-Eleven. All of a sudden there's like, an incentive yes, to burn down the 7-Eleven. Somebody's going to do that. And there, <laughs> you, you really have to worry about those sort of things. Oh, yeah, especially if people were involved. And the the other thing that I really worry about the concept in general is if this is something that they're like, oh, this is how you predict the future. This is what the you know every this is what the markets say. Mm-hmm. People oh, will start man. using that to manipulate and yeah. say, you know, the future says this. You know, it's mm-hmm. pointless for you to try. You know, do whatever. They, this is what it's going to happen. And the and average me, IQ is ninety nine, which means half the world is underneath that. Yeah. you have to protect those people from this kind of stuff and, and i really do worry that abuses and i think you know abuses would probably happen with all sorts of things yes. but mm-hmm. uh this is one that i do think could potentially be uh, abused and yeah. scary but for the most part i think it's just kind of an interesting experiment yeah. that people have put out and how much stock there is into whether this actually predicts the future you know, I guess everybody has to kind of make up their minds. The if it does, then we're not seeing Trump and Biden because they were only at thirty something. It, it was at thirty four <laughs> that they would both. That would be the next twenty, you know, yep. twenty four presidential election. All right. Did you have anything else? Nope. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.